Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. All right, guys, I have Sarah Genka here, our dietitian at Stat Wellness, and she is also yoga certified teacher. She's not teaching anymore, but she has that background, which is so critical as we're talking about food and nutrition and mindfulness and intuition and the mind body connection. So I just think that piece of her background is so important. And if you guys get our weekly takeaway Tuesdays, Sarah Genka also does those for us and finds all those health facts with medicine, uh, movement and mindfulness. So you guys got to make sure you sign up for our newsletter if you're not, because they're so valuable. But today we're really going to be talking about reverse dieting and everything to do with our metabolism. And if you guys listen to our podcast that we finished out 2022 with, we talked about why you should not diet moving into 2023. And so I wanted to keep that conversation going because I really feel like as a society, we do ourselves a disservice by trying to eat less and exercise more all the time. That is, you know, sometimes we do need to eat less and exercise more, but that's not always a solution. And we need to treat the individual as an individual and not just give these general recommendations of, you know, you need an hour of HIIT training four days a week and you need to eat 1200 calories. Both of us are in here cringing, but anyway, welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. It's a, I'm just so excited and have a lot of nervous energy to be here. So I'll try to slow down my talking and uh, we'll just have a great time. <laughs> well, people are used to listening to me fast. And so I always tell them you can like put it on 0.5 and slow it down or put it on two and, and here is an overdrive. But I wanted to start off first by talking about like, what is our metabolism? Yeah. So g- great question. I feel like metabolism and metabolic function, those are kind of words and phrases that are fr- thrown around a lot lately. Um, our metabolism is really all of the chemical reactions that take place in our body that cause it to function. Um, and so I always get like a little bit of an internal struggle when I hear or uh, like chuckle <laughs> when I hear people talking about how their metabolism is broken because to be quite crass, if that was true, we we wouldn't be living anymore. <laughs> and so I'm really just simplifying what metabolism is. It is reactions that help us live. Um, it governs everything from how we breathe to how our heart beats to how we digest our food to how we get energy from the food that we eat and just how we survive. And, and that's really what metabolic function is, which is probably why it's more and more on people's radar as being super important. <laughs> yes. And I know like for us, we do the body composition scan, which gives you like a basal metabolic rate. Of course, that's not perfect. It doesn't take into account our hormones, yeah. but we all have unique metabolic set points, right? Like the yeah. amount of energy we need is different and unique depending on the person. And there's a lot of things that impact that metabolism. And yeah. so, you know, again, it's not just what are you eating and how are you exercising? So let's kind of talk about some of the things that impact our metabolism. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, sleep is a big one. 
stress is huge. And I feel like more and more in my practice experience and my personal life, I'm seeing how much stress can totally derail metabolic function. Um, Movement, um, from exercise to the amount of neat movement, which we can totally get into a little bit more. um, You know, that's a big driver of metabolic function. And then, you know, even things like the thermic effect of food, you know, the different foods have different qualities that either cause us to burn a little bit more energy or um, not burn as much energy. So those are all variables that, that affect metabolic function in the body. And a big thing that I see too is the actual body composition. Yeah. So that's one of the big things when a lot of people come in to me, if they're like, I want a faster metabolism, you know, we have to start thinking about our body composition. If we're not holding on to any muscle, it's going to impact our metabolic state. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there's certain things that we can do that do change our basal metabolic rate and our metabolism and our energy needs. Like that's really what all of this is about. So um, let, let's get into the neat factor. What is the neat factor for those that have not heard of that? Yeah. So that's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And a great way of kind of thinking about it is it's the little movements that you do on a day-to-day basis that are kind of a surprise. You know, so So it's not exercise. It's more, you know, when you get up from your work desk and you walk downstairs to refill your water bottle and come back up. Um, It can even be, you know, parking your car farther at the grocery store, walking longer in. Um, It could be five squats that you do in between, you know, work calls or something like that. Um, So all of those little movements that really stack up throughout the day. Um, And and what's kind of interesting too is is there's even been um, some studies done on how people even regulate their own metabolic function. And one of the things that we know is that if you have, you know, maybe a period of time where you increase calories a little bit for whatever reason, um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, sometimes you unintentionally also increase neat movement. So you might notice that you're, you know, you're shaking your legs a little bit more, a little bit jittery. Um, Same thing if you have a calorie reduction, we tend to be a little bit more sedentary um, unintentionally. And that's kind of our body's adaptive way of coping with the changes in energy that we're getting in. And I think one of the interesting things is that article that was published that just a two to five minute walk after a meal has statistically significant reductions in your post-preannual or post-meal blood sugar. Yeah. So, you know, that is an exact example of a neat movement, right? Like you eat and you just go for a little stroll just to help with digestion and it lowers your blood sugar, yeah. which is going to help with the weight loss and metabolism at the end of the day, yeah. you know, moving away from that kind of survival and high glucose state. Uh, yeah. Neat is like a huge thing. And, and I always talk about sitting, they're now saying sitting is the new smoking. So you go back, you know, in the eighties, a lot more people were smoking. Yeah. Uh, now a lot less people are smoking, but a lot more people are sitting yeah. all day long and we're seeing really, and I don't want to say sitting and smoking are the exact same because we know there's a lot of toxins in smoking, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but we're seeing the same cardiovascular, not the same, sorry, but we're seeing cardiovascular impact with sitting all day. Mm-hmm. It's impacting our circulation. It's impacting our blood sugar. It's impacting our lipids. So, you know, this sitting all day long, sitting in traffic, the stress of this modern day world is really impacting our metabolic state. And so, you know, one of the things as a company, our functional medicine provider, Sarah's our dietitian, our health coach, as we like constantly are all messaging and talking and chatting. And we're like, are you guys seeing this weight loss resistance? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, our patients are doing all the right things. And we're in this culture of weight loss resistance. And I know you see it. I know Mm -hmm. it's a thing a lot of our patients are frustrated by. And so 
let's kind of talk about why we think this is happening. And, you know, some of this is research-based and some of this is just our opinion from what we've seen. Mm. But let's chat about this weight loss resistance. Yeah. You know, I think you've really touched on something. The, the lack of mobility in general is is huge, you know. And there's kind of this understanding that a lot of our, you know, society, our culture, even today, um, some people fall other under what we even refer to as like active sedentary. So maybe exercise for an hour, but then are sitting the rest of the day um, and really not having any other mobility. So, I think, you know, lack of movement, lack of mobility is one. Um, you know, I myself have just really in the last year taken off of the benefits of strength training, getting into more strength training, um, kind of even moderating how much of that you're doing versus cardio, which we will talk about. Um, and then I really think a big one is stress. And, and you, even just thinking about kind of some compounding factors over the last few years, inside more, sitting more, uh, you know, less, you know, external exercise classes. Um, and 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 then just the stress of the last few years in general, compounded with more technology use and being on our phones and our devices more. Um, and, a, and a really powerful reference um, that I've kind of familiarized myself with too is what really happens with the rapid eye movement when you watch TV, when you're on your screens, that stimulates the fight or flight response in the body. So when we're constantly in that state of fight or flight, it's going to be really, really hard for our bodies to trust that they're in a safe position to not store excess fat, which is energy for times of stress, for times of survival, which is basically what we've been in the last few years, even more so than, you know, I think the years preceding. Um, so that whole um, survival mode is a very, very real thing. And I think that's contributing a lot to what we're seeing right now. Yeah, modern day stress is huge. And, you know, people are worried about the recession. And then, you know, we're also seeing this reverse pandemic anxiety, mm. where people are starting to re-socialize, and they are feeling really anxious in social situations. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, there's so many different reasons why I think stress is just a big thing we need to talk more about right now. And we need to talk about mental health more, we need to talk mm. about that it's okay to feel anxious, there's things that we can do. So I think that's a huge thing. I also think one of the big things that I see is, you know, remembering that toxins are fat soluble. And so, you know, when we have periods of our life where we gain weight for whatever reason it is, we have more fat percentage, right? And that fat stores toxins. And, you know, that's hard to lose. Those toxins are hard to detox and eliminate from our cells. And so we, I really believe that's part of the reason why we see this weight loss resistance too, is we're not detoxing as effectively as we should. And I think part of that goes back into the movement and the yeah. sweating and yeah. the, you know, making sure you're having daily bowel movements and how much of our society is constipated because they're super stressed and yeah. they're not moving because they're super stressed and then they're sitting and they're not sweating. And, you know, so I think this like big picture of making sure we're detoxing effectively is so important for weight loss resistance. Yeah, that's huge. I, and I mean, I, you know, I think we can, you're like so saying it, like I think we can even take a second to thank our bodies for protecting us from all of those toxins, right? Like that's, it's a very protective thing. Um, and and I totally agree. I think the toxic overload is something that's happening for, for more people than we probably realize. And then as we get into like the reverse dieting and tips and tricks to like increase our metabolism, one thing I just want to touch on that I always think is an important thing is like, what, how do we value what a healthy metabolism is? Like to us, what is a, what weight makes us happy and how do we get there? You know, I think one of the things I talk about with my patients a lot and it just, 
it's a society issue and I don't know if it's going to change anytime soon, but I'll do a body composition scan on a patient. Their visceral fat is five, which you guys less than 10 based on in bodies research is great. Five is perfect in my opinion. So their visceral fat is five. Their body fat is 23%. You guys as a female, 18 to 28% is a very healthy body fat. You know, they're well hydrated. Their muscle mass is all over a hundred in every single one of their extremities. And they come in and they're so depressed based on their weight. Yeah. And I think as a society, we have to start kind of thinking about like, how do I feel? How is my energy? You know, these are markers of of disease prevention, right? If your visceral fat is low, if your muscle mass is adequate, if your body fat is at a healthy point as a female, that helps with hormone production. So, you know, as we get into this, I just, you know, work with a professional and get your data and see like, do you really need to lose weight or can we start to work on the mental health around our body? And, you know, at the end of the day, thank our body for all that it's doing because I just... I know you probably see it snaps, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, as as we get into this conversation, because it's important to have a good metabolism and it's important to have a healthy body composition for disease prevention, but let's reevaluate what that is. I I completely agree. And I mean, honestly, if I could give everybody one collective goal in the next year, like let's just break up with a scale, right? That basic one that we like to step on all the time to tell us what our value is, right? Like we totally use that tool really, you know, wrongly and start to look more at how's our muscle mass, you know, are we setting ourselves up for health and longevity and transitions, you know, hormonally really well because of how we're feeding, we're fueling ourselves. Um, I think that's a much much better conversation, a much healthier conversation uh, to really have. Well, and one of the articles I referenced in the podcast about why you shouldn't diet is that, you know, when we diet and we get into a calorie restriction, of course, like we're going to talk about some of the negatives of that, but like it also impacts our mental health. It impacts our focus. It impacts our performance. It impacts our relationships. So like, you know, this crash dieting, this like tracking macronutrients, this like strict calorie restriction is, is not good for our mental and physical health. So I know we were chatting about a study before, kind of as we talk about this reverse dieting. So like, let's touch on that uh, study before we kind of get into some of the tips and tricks we can do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've kind of learned about this back in my, you know, grad school days and then um, was reminded of it within the last few months, but the Minnesota starvation study, and I wish I remembered exactly when it was done. I'm pretty sure it was time period, like soon after World War II. Um, But, you know, researchers in, you know, Minnesota, got a bunch of, you know, younger to middle-aged males and kind of had the simulated experience um, where they put them on 1,600 calorie diets. Um, I believe the time period was one to two months. I don't remember exactly. Um, but then after that time period of 1,600 calories, um, just kind of let them go, you know, tracked how they ate, how they moved, um, what weight gain, what body fat gain was. And you know, men leaving this study ended up gaining more weight than they lost. Um, the percentage of body fat was significantly more um, after weight gain, after weight regain than when they started. And what's crazy about this to me is that, you know, the 1600 calories daily that they were given was considered semi-starvation. So just to put that into perspective, you know, I think we meet with a lot of people who are kind of, you know, befuddled, like, well, I've been eating 1200, 1400 calories, like I don't understand why I'm losing weight. And, you know, at that point, that is kind of like a semi-starvation experience where the body really, really adapts the metabolic function to reduce the amount of energy it takes to live, to exercise, to digest, all of that stuff. Um, And then afterwards, you know, when you 
reintroduce calories um, very, very quickly, it causes a lot of rebound weight gain. Um, and that's something that we might see often, you know, with people who do put themselves on very restrictive diets and an attempt to lose weight that might work. And then as soon as the restriction, you know, comes away, our body is very smart. Our body wants to survive and will, you know, work really hard to regain everything that's lost for the next famine, for the next like period of survival. Um, and so that's kind of one of the really fascinating settings that was done to, to show exactly what happens when we have periods of what is semi-starvation. And it, and it doesn't take a big calorie deficit to get there, right? <laughs> Which I think is is part of what's so tricky about when we are talking about healthy, optimal body weight and healthy, optimal weight maintenance, whether that's gaining or losing, it doesn't take a lot. Well, I think one of the really interesting things about that study is it was done on men. Yeah. And a lot of my patients that come in, I see men and women, but a lot of the women are like, I don't get it. My husband is like so metabolically flexible. Yeah. He like drops his calories for like a day, loses weight. He like eats a bunch more, doesn't gain weight on vacation. Like I just don't get it. They're like metabolically a lot more flexible than I am. Mm. So this is like a study done on men. Yeah. You know, so I think that's A, interesting yeah. that they had this <laughs> yeah. results because women, I guarantee, would be even worse. Yep. <laughs> and then two, you know, this was one or two months. Like how many women have we seen and men, you know, but really I see this more with women that have been so restrictive with food for years. Yeah. Like this is like a study on one or two months. Like this yeah. is years. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that study is really interesting for a lot of reasons. So, you know. Thinking about what we can do to start kind of getting a healthy relationship around food, start thinking about how to support our metabolism mm -hmm. in, a, in a positive way, and kind of thinking of reverse dieting in 2023. What are some like tips and tricks to leave our listeners with? Yeah. So I really love Precision Nutrition's um, nutrition calculator tool online. And if you're like, huh, I wonder if this is me and I've kind of in this place where I've maybe unintentionally undernourished my body go to their website or, or just Google like precision nutrition, nutrition calculator. The first link will take you to that calculator. And, you know, for your goal set, um, improve health, um, because that will kind of the results that you'll get from putting that improve health goal in, um, will show you what just an estimated basal daily caloric intake needs to be. Um, it also breaks down the macronutrients, how many palm size of protein, how many hand scoops of carbs, how many thumbs of healthy fats. So you can kind of see what it takes to get to that calorie amount. And then, you know, as you're looking through it, if you're like, whoa, you know, I, this is recommending if I want to just maintain weight to eat 1,900, 2,100 calories a day, and there's no way I'm getting that, um, then I do think it can be really beneficial to do what I call taking inventory. So in some way over the period of three to five days, track what you're getting in, um, you know, every single day, at least a couple of weekdays, at least a couple of weekend days, um, you could use a tracking app. You could use those hand measurements that are going to be given in that precision nutrition tool. And then after that, once you have a good idea of where the deficit might be, that's where you start to reverse diet. And this is where I think things can go incredibly wrong. <laughs> so I do want to be like very clear um, in the recommendations here. And that is really to take it very, very, very slowly. You know, most of us, if we're at a period of a calorie deficit, we did not get there in a month. So we shouldn't get out of it in a month either. You know, if you've been in this, you know, space of unintentional underfueling for maybe six months, maybe a year, 
you almost have to take that much time to kind of get out of that space. And what that looks like practically is maybe increasing intakes by about 50 to 100 calories a month at a time. Um, that's the equivalent of maybe half a serving of protein, maybe a serving of a healthy fat or a half serving of a healthy fat. It's really not that much food um, to slowly start to reverse this um almost like metabolic input. And when you take it that slowly, what that does is primes the body to take enough time to adapt to the increases in intakes so that there's not actually weight gain, um, but so that we're starting to build flexibility and so that we're starting to really communicate to our bodies like, hey, we've got a little bit more to work with than we used to. We can use that for digestion, for thyroid function, for hormone production. And you know, taking it that slowly prevents that rebounding weight gain and that rebounding fat gain that we see from drastically increasing calories. Is there a general macronutrient that you see a lot of your patients don't get enough of or too much of that, yeah. you know, maybe that person is surprised by? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, historically, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time it's protein. Mm -hmm. um, and, and protein is is just way too low. And I think part of that also is that we've been lied to about how much protein we need. Um, you know, the recommended daily allowance for protein um, that was set is actually the minimum amount of protein needed to prevent malnutrition. Mm -hmm. um, so really, when we're looking at protein, um, the numbers that I read, um, even just this morning, we want to get 0.6 to 1.3 grams per pound of our body weight. Um you know, so for someone who weighs roughly, let's say anywhere from 140 to 160 pounds at a minimum, 100, 120 grams of protein is a really good estimate there. And that's something that, you know, I found for so long because you do that 0.8, the recommendation is 0.8 yeah. grams per kilogram. <laughs> so like yeah. some of our patients, it's like 40 grams of protein is all they need in the entire day. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, what is your goal? Is it maintaining muscle mass? Is it speeding up your metabolism? Yeah. Is it longevity? Is it joint support? Like you're not going to get there with 40 grams of protein yeah. a day. And yeah. so I really hope that that guideline changes, but that is what I feel when I started kind of taking inventory and I did the pre precision nutrition tool with Sarah is I was not getting enough protein, mm -hmm. like vegetables, carbs, like those are easy. I like love big salads. I love all of that stuff. But when I got down to protein, I was like, man, like I thought I was doing well having like two hard-boiled eggs in the morning and that was 14 grams of protein, Yeah, you know, not, yeah. not great. So, um, I think that's like a good place. Like a big thing I talk about with my patients and I'm, I think you probably do too is one who has time to track macronutrients yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah. that's going to lead to like obsession. It's going to lead to like disappointment. Like it impacts your social life. But I do think starting to kind of take that like awareness of, you know, the precision tool, seeing like, what does a palm size look like? Can we prioritize like at least making sure we're getting enough protein with each meal? Because some of the studies I referenced uh, last year in the protein podcast was those that ate enough protein naturally ate 400 less calories for those that are overeating just because they felt more full. So like they weren't going home and binge eating and like things like that without even thinking about it or making any other changes. So, you know, it can make a big difference if you are somebody that maybe is overeating or having a hard time regulating your appetite, like protein can help a lot. Absolutely. Um, and then what about like the, like, what if somebody wants more like one-on-one, -on -one, like they really want to get into like specifically what they can do when it relates to the metabolism? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a service we offer at STAT. Um, I love working with people on reverse dieting. And even this year, I can think of several clients that I've worked with, um, who, you know, 
just were in tears out of frustration, you know, feeling like they're doing everything right and not seeing things move. And over the period of a year, um, you know, with uh, the memberships that we have, we've really intentionally worked on reverse dieting and seen so much success and actually starting to see things move from a body composition perspective, you know, building muscle, losing fat, um, you know, all of those things that are helping people feel better. And really what it boils down to is that building the muscle mass. Um, so, you know, we offer meal plans so that you don't even have to think about like, am I getting the right balance of macronutrients? Um, and really offer kind of tailored plans to help kind of start to do that reverse process and build in more metabolic support. And the thing I talk about all the time is it's like, you know, we meet with accountants or we meet with like a financial advisor and it's just like take inventory of like where you're putting your money, where are you spending? Like, it's so good. Even if like once a year you just check in with a dietitian or like, what am I putting in my mouth? Am I fueling myself appropriately for longevity and energy and hormone balance and gut health? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, and I think it's kind of just like, taking inventory, as you mentioned, and just doing an uh, evaluation. And then, you know, it doesn't have to be as complex as we make nutrition. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, just remember guys outside of food, the sleep, like we mentioned, the strength training, you know, the managing our stress, like think of your metabolism and this reverse dieting as like a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I love all of that. And gosh, I I think just to piggyback off of what you said too, it's so important to to check in and work with people. And um, I've I've discovered about myself that I'm actually really good at telling people how to spend their money. Um, (laughs) So I think prioritizing your health in this new year, working with specialists, you know, come see me, you know, come see, work with a dietitian, work with a personal trainer, you know, someone that's really going to help in all of your goals. I mean, you know, if we could make 2023 the year of good metabolic return, I'd be so happy. <laughs> yes. Well, and also Sarah does free 15. So if yep. you just want to yep, even yep. see like if we're the right fit for you, give us a call. We'd love to get you on the schedule. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we hope that you have a really great 2023. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.